You shouldn't grab me, Johnny. My mother grabbed me once. Once. All right, kids, here we go. Next time on Our Up, December 9th through the 11th, then February 17th through the 19th, and April 14th through the 16th. Just a reminder that the fee for the seminar will be going up just slightly in 2023, so if you want to save a couple bucks, sign up for December. For training camps on the list, we do have a self-sufficient lifter camp on November 19th. That's in Wichita Falls. Then we have our lift, shoot, fight camp. This will be our second time doing this camp. That's a two-day camp, December 17th to the 18th, covering lifting, firearms instruction, and combatives. For other lifting camps on the list, in South Korea, the Seoul Brothers are holding two camps in one day on December 4th. First in the morning, a squat camp, and then in the afternoon, a deadlift and power clean camp. And you could save a couple bucks, 40 to be exact, if you sign up for both of them at the same time. For squat and deadlift camps with spots available November 19th in Moodus, Connecticut, that's Central Connecticut and Need No Strength and Conditioning, and then Chicago, December 11th at Starting Strength Chicago. And we're also pleased to announce that we're doing our first ever camp coached entirely in Spanish. That will be on January 21st in San Antonio at Starting Strength San Antonio. And finally, folks, the moment you've all been waiting for, the Starting Strength Lifting Boot is now available for pre-order. If you want to check that out and get your name on the list, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com forward slash boot. That's startingstrengthgyms.com forward slash boot. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. It is uh, time for another Starting Strength Radio because it's been a week since we did a Starting Strength Radio, and now it's time for another Starting Strength Radio. So here we are with another Starting Strength Radio. I hope that was understandable to everyone. Perfectly clear. I like to, uh, you know, keep all of our reasoning you know, transparent, explain things to people in a way that everyone can understand. But, unfortunately, there is an element that listens to this podcast, watches this podcast, that can't understand anything. And... They make these comments, and we bring them to you to share them with you as comments, comments. From, from the haters. All right, this is a, this week is we have a particularly egregious uh, display of abject stupidity. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm not going to read all of them because I just can't stand it, but I'm going to read a few. All right. All right. I wonder when Rip is going to realize men prefer to be lean 
not because of abs, although it's a bonus, but because of facial aesthetics and muscle muscle separation. Girls care more about a nice jawline and noticeable cheekbones than you squatting 700 at 240 being a 5 foot 8 moon face. This guy's I've never obviously heard that. uh I've never I, heard about the women caring about high cheekbones. I, I don't this guy knows more about what women want <laughs> than I think a guy should know. You sure it's a guy? I, it says Joe Blow oh, well, is his name, go. but I don't know. I, we may have misgendered this yeah. individual. Let's, you know what? Let's should, assume it's a woman. I don't think. Let's she's assume right. this is a female, just to make ourselves feel better about our audience. Yeah, shall we? Let's do that. All right. She's one of the two percent. She's got a two percent female, female audience. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. Even when Rip is wrong, he is loud. Well, you're certainly right about that. <laughs> yes, that's, indeed. That's got to be trap bar, right? Uh, let me think. Yeah, trap bar. Yeah. How'd you know that? What? A, you've been here. What before. else would it be? Yeah. You've been here and been done here. this, right? Yeah. Got it. Moasm. Moasm. No, it says Andy Chow. At Moasm. What does that oh. hell does that even mean? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Moasm is. I own both the blue and gray books. They are poorly written and mostly junk. It's basically an inferior copy of Star's book. Oh. I've never heard of a kettlebell certificate, but you sure sound like a certified bitch. This he, guy's. He doesn't know how to he's Google. He's got some existential clarity well, yeah. here, doesn't he? He doesn't know how to Google either. No, he doesn't know how to Google anything. He's never sure read Star's book. Sure as fuck, some kettle, kettlebell certifications, <laughs> among <laughs> other things. I've never heard of a kettlebell certification. Have you ever heard of lunch? That's that meal we eat in the middle of the day. Here in the southern United States, we call it dinner. And then the last what? one is supper. Right? Middle of the day meal is dinner? Yeah. In Southern United States, Man, that's, that's the weird. traditional term for for uh, the so, midday meal. So there's dinner. no lunch. No, it's just breakfast, dinner, and supper. Wow, you didn't know that? No, fuck no. Hey Google, right? Well, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Google, Google should tell you these things. Uh, at any rate, Andy Chow, he's a he's your standard hater. You know, I'm, got I'm about over- four brain cells to rub together. All right. You talked so much shit and never even did one rep. All right. This is the learning to deadlift. The starting <laughs> strength method. You talked so much shit and never did one rep. Folking guy, do one, then talk. Do it again, then talk. Do it again, then talk more. Isn't that interesting? And uh, <laughs> it appears as though YouTube has marked that, they flagged that comment as inappropriate. potentially inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, they'll do that, man. Really? It's hateful. When did they start doing that? Oh, they've been doing that for a while. Potentially inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. If it's got a bad word in it. Bad word, or if, uh, I don't know how they, they figure this out, but if it sounds like you're 
attacking somebody. It sounds like you're a Republican. That too, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, here's another one. So this is a hard manual labor and starting strength uh, radio clip. Uh, says, how fucking dense are you? <laughs> they is singular and has been for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. It's amazing. Since the medieval times, huh? Here's a squat expert. This is uh, from setting the knees early during the squat with Steve Ross. Massive butt wink from 220 to 230. Butt wink. Massive, not just Massive butt wink. Butt Massive butt wink. butt wink. Raises, hold on, just a minute. <laughs> there we go. Just so everyone knows. I I, throwing the thing in the floor shouldn't be a two-step No, it should be a smooth. Yeah, right. it's pretty pathetic. I, wanna, I right. want you to know, though, that I've, I've fact-checked you. And yes. according to NPR, food historian Helen Zoe Veit oh, right. points out that in the past, especially in farming communities, noon was the, the noon meal was the biggest one of the day, which would explain why the word dinner has persisted as a reference to the noon rather than the evening meal. Right. NPR agrees. <sighs> Thank God. Yeah. I got something right, finally. 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 Ripito is a far-right person who thinks he knows more about veterinary practices than an urban woman vet. <laughs> he is so condescending, and like every insecure person, he swears. <laughs> Only insecure people swear. That's really good. Because when you swear, it makes you feel secure. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow. This is the Rip Talks Animal Cruelty. That must have been written now, by an er- female urban, urban woman vet. Yeah. When did I say something about urban woman vet? When you were talking about castrating dogs. Yeah, castrating dogs. Yeah. I think I said something about lesbian vets, didn't I? No, I think no, it was I said urban, urban female vet. Yeah. Want the balls off of every male dog. Right. That was the gist, at least. No, I think you actually said it. That was that Urban was the exact term. Yeah. It's possible I did, <laughs> and I stand by that statement. <laughs> uh, they they want the they want to castrate all dogs. All and castratable dogs must be castrated because they can't castrate no. you, right? Because they don't have access to me, and they would castrate <laughs> me if they had the opportunity. And don't think that's bullshit. After we because, talked about this last time. Because that's bullshit. Yeah, after we talked about this last time, I told you how our dog, we got him at eight weeks, and he was he was already castrated. At eight that, weeks old. And and I looked it up, and that's not uncommon. That's so fucking not amazing. Uncommon. You just yeah. allow the goddamn little dog to develop his physical shit in the absence of an anabolic hormone like yeah. testosterone. Makes sense why my dog's fucking scared of everything. <laughs> shit. Poor little guy. Yeah. Because some urban woman vet chopped his nuts off. <laughs> they had to go fish those out, yeah. you know. That's right. Because at eight weeks, nobody's descended. Yeah. And right. this is, uh, well, you really got to want a fucking castrated dog real right. bad if you're going to do it at eight weeks. Yep. Yep. Why do, you, why do you think they do that? Do you think they actually think they're preventing an explosion in the dog population? Uh, that's what they say. I don't know what they think. That's what they say. What they think, what they say is that. Yeah. What they think is, ah, eh, testosterone's a bad yeah. idea for everybody. But 
the only people we have access to are dogs. <laughs> that's what they that's what they think. All right. Here is uh here's one. Uh this is pretty good. 804. Whoa. This was a horrible back squat. Shit ton of butt wink. That is from the video The Front Squat with Mark Ripito. <laughs> How is there a butt wink in a front squat, in a back squat, in a front squat? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't expect anyone to be able to explain most of this shit anyway. So. <laughs> they, really, they really get triggered by the butt wink. All right. And here is probably the most profound comment. Can't wait. Let's hear it. SN says... I'm going to have to disagree with you, bucko. <laughs> and that's all he says. He's concerned. <laughs> bucko. I think that's a thing that... Uh, that I'll that, be concerned about him disagreeing with me. I, I think that's a right? thing that the little guy, uh, little skinny guy, Jordan Peterson, says all the time. Bucko? Bucko, bucko yeah. Does he? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Peterson's not always wrong. No, he's not. He's fine. You know, he's got some problems. He doesn't train, but, though. But he doesn't train. Yeah. He ought to train. He should. He'd look better if he trained. Yeah. I get tired of looking at his little neck, but Yeah. But not everybody can be huge and powerful like we are. That's true. That's true. You know. And twelve percent body fat like right. us. Like this dipshit that you know commented earlier. <laughs> right. That was good, man. Well, that concludes this week's installment of comments. comments. From, from the haters. Are you sure we got to keep doing that? We can do whatever you want, you know. I mean, yeah, it is, that's what it you is always say. When I ask radio. you this, you always say, "We do whatever you want." We do whatever you want, Rip. Whatever you want to do. It's your show. You do whatever you want to do. But, but uh, I, you know, the fans just, enjoy it. I, all I'm saying is, God damn, the fans enjoy it. This is horrible. I enjoy it. We have a good time. I mean, you know. We get to laugh the whole time. Well, smiles okay. all around. Now, what installment is this? 183, something like that? Sounds right. Bree's not here, so I don't know. Well, you, what you need to do is get Rusty on the deal. Because we got to do the, the 200 anniversary. we got to yeah. do another comments from the He needs to start collating some comments, right? Compiling. Yes. Not collating. Compiling. Compiling. Yeah. What's the difference between compilation and collation? I don't know. Collation is some kind of organizing, right? Yeah. Well, so is compiling. you got to compile first before you can collate. I think they're synonyms. Do you? Yeah. I want me to fact check it? Yes. All right, I'll fact Please. check you. Because I know we used to do a our seminar up in, uh, up in Seattle, and there was a guy who worked for Microsoft who was a compiler that used to hang around. And uh, real, real highly intelligent guy. Yep. He's a compiler. And apparently if you're a compiler at Microsoft, you uh, are afforded godlike status. <laughs> compiler, that's a software term? Yes. All right, collate. Collate means? Means to collect and combine texts, information, or sets of figures in proper order proper ah in order like to alphabetize would yes. be to collate so right compiling i'm sure is not undifferentiated right just compiling i don't know let's see compiling compiling to produce 
something, especially a list, report, or book, by assembling information collected from other sources. Sounds synonymous to me. There's I mean, a, by that definition. I don't know, man. Because the order part of it is in collating. Yeah. But, oh, here we go. In computing, compiling is converting into a machine code, a uh, low-level form in which the program can be executed. Right. Oh, okay. Well, you just put it in a machine language. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's a uh, interesting way to use your brain. Yep. Yep. Right. All right. Anyway, uh, you might have gathered <laughs> from the from the paper paper on the desk that we are going to do what is called a paper Q and A today. Those of you listening, of course, would not have seen this. And would, up to this point in time, not have the slightest fucking idea what we were going to do today. But now you know. Yeah. It's a paper Q&A. So, here's a long one. We'll start off with this. Looking for programming advice post-NLP. I am not finished with NLP yet, as I'm still adding weight to the bar and progressing. The problem lies in the fact that things are harder. And it's affecting work. So even though I am adding weight, recovery is becoming an issue. I'm 50 and a firefighter. I work 24 hours on, 48 off, like all firefighters do, apparently. Sleep or lack of it is a major factor. My station does not have adequate equipment, so training those days is a non-starter. I've been lifting with 72 hours off between sessions. However, I have a choice. Lift the day after work when I'm usually dead tired from being up all night or the following day when I'm fresh. So far, I've been lifting that second day, which has been great. But now things are getting hard after two months and I'm going into work the following day physically drained and unrecovered in a job where I need to be somewhat fresh. All right, without reading the rest of this, what do you think the deal is? He's not eating enough. He's not eating enough. Right. Yeah. He's not eating enough. Yep. Yeah. yeah, regardless of the schedule. Whatever the fuck else is do, going on, the guy's 50. That. Right. He's got his schedule set up the best way he can. Right. But he's not getting recovered. Yep. He's got 72 hours between workouts. He ought to be able to be recovered. Right. But he's not eating enough. Yep. All right. Uh, and, and he doesn't ever even, uh, you know, address this situation. He hadn't told us how tall he is. He hadn't told us how much he weighs. He hadn't told us what his lifts are. Um, and as a result, uh, the default analysis here is that he's not eating enough food. Right. He's yeah. not eating enough protein, not eating enough carbs. I mean, yeah, he's a firefighter. He's got a physical job. But he's adapted to that. Right. He's 50. He's been doing this a while. Right. Yep. So the only thing he's not adapted to is this novice linear progression. And how do you recover? Well, you sleep when you can, and you eat. And you eat when you can't sleep. Right. You know, a long time ago, this is going to upset people that think we're all fat. <laughs> long time ago, and, and people knew this even if they weren't training. 
long time ago, people would, if you could not sleep enough, the conventional wisdom was you eat more. If you're going to be up all night, you're not going to be able to train. You're not going to be able to sleep, rather. You're going to be up all night. Something's going to keep you up all night. And you know you're going to be up all night. You schedule another meal. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the way we have been managing ourselves for hundreds of years. Yep. And that is still a valid approach to this situation. Uh, to, a, to some extent, obviously not to a complete and total extent, but to some extent, calories can compensate for a lack of sleep. Now, I'm not saying you, you know make three pounds of pancakes syrup butter obviously that's stupid stupid under any circumstances but you need to have another meal eat some more protein you know i mean but with this question right here don is not eating enough yeah it's all there is to it he's not eating enough and it, it hadn't even occurred to him because it didn't mention the word eat or nutrition exactly. or diet in anywhere in this post. Yeah, he's looking for a programming cha- a programming solution to a recovery issue. That's right. Now, <clears throat> sometimes you have to do that. But, sure. Uh, but, but he's already done But it. you shouldn't do it before you look at the things you can control. Right. right. So, no, I think he's got the programming situation down because he's waiting. He doesn't need to make a change. Until right? he's fresh day right. to train. Yeah. He's already doing everything he can do with his programming. He's following novice linear progression, but he's got longer between the workouts than we recommend. But that's all he can do, so that's all dealt with. What is not dealt with is the dietary situation. What I'm saying, though, is that people will typically look for a different program to do. Yeah. And you got to remember, programs don't get easier. They get harder. Right. Programs get harder as you get stronger. Right. Or they're not going to get you stronger. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Here's an interesting question. Iron age strength. Rip. Not coaching related. I saw the podcast quite a while ago where you talked about how you built your house. If you were 36, single, and had about five acres of densely wooded property in the Colorado mountains at uh, 10-3, how would you spend the next five to ten years building a house with regards to power, material, and other things that are necessary to make it badass. Plan is to save a ton and do a bit every season without making debt. Well, look at well that. no, that's a that's foresight, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and you've kind of already done that, right? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, um, you didn't build that house up there, but no, but I built the house here, and this is exactly what he's asking yep. about. So, if I was going to do this at uh, at ten three in Colorado, what I would do is I would build the Colorado version of my Texas house bigger. And what I would do is I would plan on building the thing bigger than you think you want it. Because you are 36 and single, and you think you need a 1,500-square-foot house. But you need about a 2,500-square-foot house because you might not always be single. Let's be optimistic. Right. All right? I would build it on a rectangular floor plan so that I had a single pitch roof. I would have a metal roof 
and I might have a two-layer metal roof because I stumbled onto that construction by accident at my house, and it's terribly efficient, terribly, terribly efficient. I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. Now, if I was in Colorado, here in Texas, I built my house out of limestone riprap, and riprap is uh, – eight to 12 inch pieces of limestone that are uh that's purchased from a uh, a limestone quarry that produces gravel limestone gravel is what we use around here for paving and everything else and there are limestone deposits in various places around the area and and companies have set up crushers that uh produce gravel now this is all this all comes out of a screen so they take the they take the limestone formation and break it and crush it and then sieve it into the various sizes. And the bigger sizes are 8 to 12 inch, and that is regarded as, that is referred to as riprap, R-I-P-R-A-P. And what that is used for is, the, is to stabilize an incompetent slope. You put riprap on it to keep it from eroding so that the rain falls on the rock and doesn't wash the underlying soil away as fast. It uh, holds the soil down and provides some structure for the slope. And this is what is called riprap. It's used to line the bottom of drainages, and there's, there's lots and lots of uses that it had. And when I built my house back in 99, I'd been looking at this stuff for years. You know, it's just, just nice big pieces of real pretty limestone. And I, I got to thinking about this, and I thought, well, why don't I just stonemasonry my house together made out of this stuff? And so that's what I did. Now, the walls of my house are 18 inches thick. And that is probably the – I don't know. I, if I was going to do this again, I might make those walls 24. I might make the walls 24, but the, the problem that you get into structurally with a thick, heavy wall like that is the footing. The footing has to be big enough to stabilize the weight of the wall. So in my house with 18-inch thick walls, I've got 24 by 36 concrete footer underneath the walls. Now, the way that was prepared is we had a backhoe come out and dig the trench and the trench was three feet deep and two feet wide and then the concrete guys came out and put rebar all through the footing but rebar horizontally along the longitudinally within the footing three-quarter inch rebar and then we put three-quarter inch rebar coming up straight out of the footing to tie onto the wall itself and coming out at an angle out of the footing to tie onto the floor slab so got the trenches prepared got all the iron in place the iron in place for those of you in california i didn't want to you know pronounce that in a way you didn't understand (laughs) And then we poured the slab, or poured the footing. So you poured the footers. Poured the footers is a separate pour. This took a lot of concrete. That's a, it was an expensive proposition. But 
I got it all poured in one day because I was close to the plant. It's a hell of a bunch of concrete. And, you know, that doesn't have to be leveled or anything because it's going to be covered with the floor slab and the wall anyway. It doesn't have to be leveled. I mean, it doesn't have to be troweled right. flat. You just have to get it level and horizontal, and and uh, the iron in it has to say plumb, that sort of thing. So just, you know, standard structural considerations for the, for the footer. And then uh, we... After that, we let that cure. The following weekend, we poured the slab. And the slab of the house is the thinnest place on that slab is about six inches. And we built it with a central beam longitudinally down the house and two side beams. Now, by that, I mean we dug a trench in the grade and filled it with a whole bunch of rebar to provide some stability longitudinally across the slab this is an extremely secure slab it hadn't cracked or moved at all through two droughts it hasn't moved a, a bit not a millimeter and uh and we used you know we used good five sack mud with no fly ash in it so it was high quality concrete all right and then we we started with the stonemasonry project and i had the riprap delivered and were i in colorado what i would do is i would not use riprap i would use glacier rocks the round stone that are referred to as river rocks up there they're round because they've been ground into a round shape by the ice of the glaciers glacier moraines have these things it's possible to buy that stuff up there and i would build the house out of that because it's beautiful this granite riprap uh granite boulders round granite boulders it's beautiful stuff now my walls i had a little bit different approach to than i probably would use today when i built this thing i put down a course of stone masonry on the outside left a gap of about four or five inches in the middle, and then another course of stone masonry on the inside. And those of you that have seen pictures of my house know that I've just got stone walls on the inside of my house, and I love that. I wouldn't change a thing about it. But if had I access to granite, that's what I would have on the inside and the outside. But I would not waste the time or the effort on making a center out of concrete. I would put the rebar in the middle of the wall, just like I was doing, just like I did back then. And I would just use mortar, a whole bunch of mud, and mortar the stone all the way solid across the 24-inch face of that wall. All right. The reason I would use a 24-inch wall is because I want a heat sink. I want a heat sink. I want, uh, if I'm going to live in this house at 10 3 in Colorado and I'm going to be there in the winter, I'm going to have a fire going all the time. And once you get the inside stone warm, the house will stay warm. It's a very efficient way to build the house. If I was doing this in Colorado, I might have two wood stoves. I wouldn't use a fireplace, I'd use a wood stove because they're much more efficient in terms of heat exchange than a fireplace is 
I would use a wood stove, and I'd probably have one on either end of the house. And uh, the the 24-inch thick walls are terribly secure, terribly, terribly secure with the, with the footers like they are. If I was making a 24-inch thick wall, I'd have a 3-by-4-footer. Four the 3-foot-by-4-foot four footer, that's going to be a hell of a bunch of concrete. The concrete's going to be the most expensive aspect of this house. But you will have a house, when you get through with this, it's going to be there for about a 1,000 years. It'll be a nice-looking piece of property. You're going to have to, take, you have to be careful about where you put it. It's going to have to be on the top. You can't have a slope behind it. You're going to have to have it on a nice flat, you know, house site on the property. But you have the man come out and do the dirt work on the thing and dig the trenches. And then you're going to probably the first year you will get the footers and the slab poured. And that's fine. They need to cure a while anyway. And then the next year you start in on the on the walls. Now you're going to have to, you know, make plans for your electrical outlets and all this other stuff. You're going to want more outlets than you think you need. And you're going to have to lay the house out in a way that is friendly to your solar. All right. Now, if you've got a 2,500 square foot house, you're going to have a lot of roof. Uh, you might want to toy with the idea of making a loft or something in the in the fly space uh, where the attic would be in a in a more conventional home. But you don't want an attic. You want to actually use that space. And uh, if you put a deck up there, some kind of internal decking, however you want to design it, you'll want to make your bedrooms or whatever up there. You know. And have a couple of rooms in the attic space and have the house really it's a lodge mine is open i don't have ceilings i just have a roof so i would build it out of stone just like i'm i'm describing to you i would make it a single pitch i would orient the house in a way that one of the sides is facing south because that's the way you need to catch the sun at for solar panels, you want oh, probably ideally you're going to want a five and twelve pitch roof. Um, that that makes the solar panels work better to be, you know, at that angle with respect to the sun because the the inner the angle of attack of the sunlight on the solar panel does make a significant difference in terms of uh, how efficient the panels work. Panels are getting cheap. And the solar panel, the, a solar system, the, the primary cost of the solar system at this point is not the panels. It's the inverter system that will be in your utility room and the batteries. You're going to have to have a battery array of, of uh, I think I've got eight batteries in mine. Battery technology is improving all the time. I've got AGM batteries in mine right now, and the thing works real, real well. It would work better if I was facing, well, I am facing south in Colorado. I'm facing east and west in Texas, so I haven't bothered to put a solar system on the 
But, you know, in solar in, in Texas, I'm on the grid, so I don't need a solar system. It's a terrible, uh, terribly expensive thing that would never amortize in Texas. But if you're off-grid in Colorado, that's what you're, you know, you already know all this stuff about the solar system. But I would have a, a 5 and 12 roof. I would have a metal roof. I might make a two-layer metal roof. Now, my roof in Texas is, is started off in life as a single-layer metal roof. I had a galvalume roof with SPF, spray foam insulation, on the inside of the roof. Uh, a number of years later, I put another layer of SPF on the outside of the existing roof, and then I put another metal roof on top of that. And that thing is now like an, like an ice chest. It's an extremely efficient way to construct. More importantly... If I have a stone house with a metal roof and I do not have a wooden deck around that thing, and I would not have a wooden deck, if I was going to build it at one layer like you, I would have a stone patio or even a concrete slab patio. That place is fireproof. If you, if you remove all of the timber from around your house to a a decent radius, you know, at least a hundred feet, probably more than that, and thin the 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 wood out even further out than that. Then you're you're not going to burn your house down. Now the the downside to that is going to be that you're probably going to have problems getting an insurance policy for the house because it's unconventional construction, and these people are not going to know how to write the policy because a homeowner's policy is a fire policy with riders attached to it. And if the thing won't burn, they're not going to know how to evaluate the risk to the house. And so instead of learning, they just won't write it way they operate so but i haven't got uh, well, homeowner's get... insurance on my house in texas because of that and it hadn't bothered me a bit right of course i can't burn in texas because i'm out in the middle of a pasture not yep. not in a forest so to speak but i would you know the the people fuck up in colorado by getting married to the fact that they're living inside the timber that's what gets your house burned down yep if it gets hot enough, it doesn't matter if the house is flammable or not. It'll ruin it. I've seen a concrete wall destroyed by a fire, by the 2018 spring fire in up there where we were. House up there in the it, way in the back, remote, with way too much timber, way too close to the house. Guy got to pouring his walls and his slab. I went back there two weeks after the fire to look at it, and the the concrete was turned into gravel. Right. Yeah. Melted the glass and the aluminum windows, and the gravel slab was was destroyed. I mean, I mean the concrete slab. Right. Destroyed. Yeah. Concrete walls, concrete slab burned all the way up. So it's not just dealing with the stuff on the ground, the undergrowth, and all that. You've got to actually heat. you've got to actually clear the trees. You've got to clear the trees because three thousand degrees is going right. to fuck up everything you've got. Yep. It'll melt your roof. Right. You have to produce a fire prevention perimeter around your house, and if you fail to plan for that, 
you're fucking up. Yeah. Because it, the only thing you know in Colorado is eventually the damn thing's going to burn. Yeah. Right. If you if you talk to a uh, whoever it is, whoever the fire mitigation guys are, will they agree with that? Is that what oh, they yeah. tell you to do? They'll tell you to do that. Yeah. They'll okay. tell you to do that, and you don't ignore them now. Yeah. Do not ignore them. What they tell you to do, you do. I know it's real neat to live with giant trees all around your house and everything, but there will be a day when you regret that very, very, very much. Yep. All right. We had a couple of nice big trees right outside the house that we took down a long time ago. Right. You have to have pros come out and fall those trees because the guy that had built the house had left them there thinking they're all romantic and everything, but they're... 18-inch thick Douglas fir, yeah, a hundred feet high. You, if nothing else, the wind is eventually going to blow those onto the house because right. we have bad windstorms up there. And I'm so glad we got those things down. I've got a couple left to take out. Just need to do it, you know. Yep. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you. It's, uh, so you're clearing as at least as far as if any of the trees fall, they don't fall on the house. At least, yeah. At least, but the fire guys are going to tell you you need a hundred foot perimeter. Got it. Yeah. Of no timber around the house. Yep. And then undergrowth or whatever it's called, further than that. Yes. You you can't have uh, you know, if you've got ladder fuels, which are which are the dead trees that are leaning against the live trees where yeah. fire can climb right, up. Right. Those are referred to as ladder fuels. Yeah. All of that has to be cleared out. And all the pine needles and shit, right? Do you, or you just leave that? No, you, you, you're not going to get the pine needles up. It yeah. just, it's too much work. Right. And they don't constitute a giant they amount real of fast. fuel yeah. unless they're three feet thick, gotcha, yeah. which they're not going to be. Right. I mean, if they are, you're in the wrong place to build. Yep. Right, so you've got a choice to where to make your home site, where to make the house pad, where to come in and prepare the dirt for the house pad. You have to think about fire mitigation before you do that. That's got to be in the plan from from the beginning. In a state where fires are a giant problem, if you're ten thousand feet, you're in the timber, right, and you're getting up close to timber line depending on the latitude, how far north you are in the state. Uh, those of you who don't know, Timberline falls with latitude. So what is Timberline in southern Colorado will not be Timberline in Montana at all. Timberline Montana is probably 4,000 feet lower than Timberline, yep. well, 3,000 feet lower than Timberline in Colorado. Because uh, latitude uh, simulates altitude. Like, if you go far enough north, you have tundra at sea level. Yeah. Right? So, uh, these things are all considerations. Uh, I would, uh, if you've got a long time to plan on this, you know, I would certainly... uh, build a house if i had to do over again i would have built my house in texas with another thousand square feet of foot footprint because i don't have a guest bedroom in the house right, right yeah now. when i built it i did but things change yep 
you know, had a second bedroom set up over there where my office is now, but I needed it for that space. And as a result, I can't have anybody sleep over. Yep. You know, her office is in the loft. And mine's over there in that, where that bedroom was. So it's a rather small house at this point. It's just because I didn't realize what I was doing. Yep. But I would plan for a bigger house than you think you need. Make it out of non-flammable materials. Now, another wonderful aspect of making the house out of stone with a metal roof is you don't have any maintenance on it you don't have to paint a goddamn thing i hate painting worse than i hate communism (laughs) i hate painting i hate it i've loathed it all my life god almighty i can't stand it and uh when i when i built the house i had the underside of the of the ceiling of the roof in my house painted forest green spray on paint and i haven't had to touch it because it's not in the light it doesn't oxidize it stays the same color and i've got galvalume metal which is unpainted metal facing the sky and another thing i need to mention about that roof that i that i would recommend that you that you do now in colorado you can probably at that altitude drill a decent well if i were you i would drill a decent well but i would also catch my rainwater. now they changed the law many years ago because previously it was illegal in colorado to catch rainwater off your roof and the reason for that was the rainwater is supposed to flow into a drainage and the water rights to that drainage are allocated downstream from you. And if you don't have the water rights on your property, and you might well not, then uh, you are interrupting water traveling downstream to somebody who does have the right to that water. And that's the thinking up there. And over the, over the years of the settlement of Colorado, more people have been killed over water rights in Colorado than any other thing. At least that's the rumor. Yeah. Right. So uh, if I were setting a house up like this, and one of the reasons I said earlier the single-pitch roof is because I use my roof in Texas to collect rainwater. And I gutter each side. I run the water down the gutter, and I run it into a big sheet metal tank galvanized tank that i had made for the purpose of catching rainwater and when it comes time to do that if you're interested in how that is set up let me know and i'll be glad to do a more detailed expose on the way i catch rainwater i've been out there for 23 years and i have bought a total of i think five loads of water in that period of time a 1200 gallon load of water it's even in the drought i didn't have to buy water this recent i had rain in june i filled up both my tanks so i'm even in the drought we're in a drought right now bad drought i'm fine with house water now pasture looks like shit oh god yeah oh it's horrible but uh this hell the pasture may be in worse shape now than it was 2011 i don't know it's in real bad shape yeah how many times you cut your grass this year i think twice 
Yeah, I think twice. Three. I've did. cut my grass three times. It's crazy. Year. That's how bad. Because last year was every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. I would usually cut my grass on Saturday or Sunday, yep. but I've had to. I've held the. I didn't even change the oil in the lawnmower. Yeah, it's nuts. You know, it's just absolutely, and it's about to, you know, it's going to be 35 degrees tomorrow night. Yep. I mean, we're headed toward the first freeze here within three or right. four weeks. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely done growing. There's but, not... uh, yeah, it's not going to grow. I probably will wait till it freezes, and then I'll run the riding mower over the top of it just to cut the tops off of the big blue stem. But other than that, I'm done. So, anyway, uh, if you've got any, uh, that kind of took a while, but if you've got any other uh, questions about how I did the house, I'd be glad to share that with you. I'm always surprised that nobody has been curious enough about the way I did that thing to come out and look at it and take some measurements and pick my brain about how to build it because it is maintenance-free. Yep. It is secure and maintenance rate, and looks, it's and it has cool the too. it is also cheap. Yeah, it was cheap to build with riprap. Probably still be cheap today. It would still be cheap today. Still be cheaper than building a a, a wall out of five or six different materials. My you parents' know, especially house, especially with they're building right now lumber and shit. My parents' house they're building right now is twelve hundred square feet. Yeah, what's the price? I have no idea. Two hundred dollars and seventy thousand dollars hundred and seventy thousand dollars to build that's without the land too because a 1200 square foot that's it's insane insane yeah that is insane it's completely insane so uh yeah that that's three times what it ought to be and they got quotes up in the 220s 230s three times what it ought to be I, i agree it's yeah you know and uh Building it out of riprap, I don't know what riprap's worth now. I paid, back in 1999 when I built that thing, I paid $14 a ton for the riprap on the ground at my house. Delivered. Yep. So it was cheap. It's very cheap. If I'm in Colorado, I'm going to poke around and find some source for round rock. And if I can't find that, I'll just get riprap. Right. And yeah, because that shit's it. everywhere, right? I mean, it's – or it's, if it's, it's not, it's, it's inexpensive. It's commonly used uh, structural yeah. material that civil engineering uses yeah. all the yeah. time. There's going to be a source of riprap, and the riprap up there may well be that round rock. Yeah. I've seen it used for that up there. So that's what I would do. So if I can help you, let me know. All right, now, John Mulkey. All right, serious question this time. Because previously, John Mulkey asked a non-serious question. Uh, Rip, at your behest, I've started collecting Robert E. Howard's Conan series. Do you prefer Howard's original short stories or the adaptations by L. Sprague DeCamp and Lynn Carter? No, I do not. Uh, Howard invented the character howard wrote the stories l sprague the camp and lynn carter just figured out a way to make some money by back when the lancer editions were being published to fill out some story uh frameworks that howard had generated and left laying around and uh and 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 they took another thing they did was they took 
uh, stories that uh, Howard had written about other characters and converted them into Conan stories. And I think that I think that's stupid. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, uh, Conan was not Howard's best work. His historical fiction I enjoy more than the Conan stuff. Uh, I've veered towards the later adaptations because I really love the cover art by Boris Vallejo. I never liked Boris Vallejo's stuff. Everybody's standing there in Boris Vallejo's paintings. And if you look at uh, uh, the much higher quality art by Frank Frazetta, what you'll notice is when Frazetta makes a painting, it's moving. Everything is moving. And if you study that long enough, you'll see why. It's, a, it's an interesting talent that Frank Frazetta had for making things look like they were moving. And what he did was he painted the characters in the painting in unstable positions. Meaning that he's going to show you the man in a position where the character has to move his foot now or he's going to fall. And it makes the, it makes the guy look like he's moving. Is a brilliant technique, and I've never seen anybody do it as well as Frazetta. Everybody else just picks, uh, just paints people standing there in, in costumes and stuff. And Frazetta makes everything look like it's moving in the painting. And it's, he was a hugely talented man, extremely underappreciated by the art community. All right. I remember you deriding the Schwarzenegger movies due to the portrayal of the character, so I figured you're a purist. Yeah, Schwarzenegger was not a good Conan. I'll tell you what the best Robert E. Howard story adaptation into a movie I've ever seen is, and that is the Solomon Kane movie with James Purifoy. That is a very good adaptation of the Solomon Kane character. And I highly recommend that you watch that. It's a it's a great film. Is Conan due for a remake? Would you? Uh, I, they made you ex- one with uh, who's that guy? They they remade. They made a new Conan. There's a one that's been made in the past five or six years. No shit. Uh, oh, what is the guy's name? Hell, I can't I can't remember. Oh. Modern actor Jason Momoa. That's the guy's name that played. Oh, played Conan. Oh, shit, I didn't see that. Uh, I thought it was all right. I thought the script was quite a bit better than the than the the uh, Schwarzenegger version of the movie. 2011, man, I didn't. Yeah, watch 2011. That. And you know, it was all right. It was all right. But Robert E. Howard was adamant in some things about Conan. Robert E. Howard was writing back in the 20s and 30s, and. Conan was always, in fact, the vast majority of Robert E. Howard's characters were were described as having black hair and blue eyes. He liked the the Gaelic racial type. And all of those characters, from Cull to Conan to to all the historical guys that he wrote about, had black hair and blue eyes. He seemed to think that that was the the best archetype 
physically for one of his heroes. They're all big, strong, muscular guys. Uh, Schwarzenegger was, I, he just, he just wasn't right. Wasn't right. I, it was primarily the script yep. that was wrong. It's as though they wrote Conan and having not read Conan. Because it bore no resemblance to the character in the stories whatsoever. Okay, is that enough of that? That's enough. Okay. Uh, Rip, what do you think of the Fed's plan to lower inflation by making everyone so poor <laughs> they won't buy things anymore? I predict that won't work either. <laughs> All right, Eric Wunicky, who won't leave us alone, says... What are your thoughts on health insurance? Having spent over $100,000 on the shit over the last decade, seemingly for no particular reason, I'm finding myself not really caring to have it. Yep. Maybe if real oh-shit insurance still existed, that would be another matter. But it seems more like subsidizing the people of Walmart these days. Well, don't add up your insurance because you'll be The Obama administration off. did fuck that thing up, yep. didn't they? They did that one thing they made a mistake on, right? Just that one. Just that one. And as a result, uh, I dropped my policy with Blue Cross Blue Shield quite some time ago and was uh, uh, with uh, Liberty HealthShare until they apparently, hell, I don't know what happened to them, but they got to where they wouldn't pay bills. Yeah, they uh, wouldn't, wouldn't pay anything. They were fucking up pretty bad, and then uh, they replaced all of their, uh, you know, their CEO and a bunch of people. I don't know if it's any. I hardly use it. I don't know if it's any better now. Are you still got it? I still. Well, I still pay for it. I, hard, I, I have it. I've used it once. I never had to use it okay. when I had it. I never had to use it. But there was so, a bunch of turmoil. Lots of emails and letters saying we've replaced this person. We replaced this person. We realize things are fucked up. We replace this person. Well, maybe that's maybe they got some of it fixed, but uh, Carmen had. A lot of trouble getting them to pay her doctors. Yeah, I'm going to switch. So there's uh, other there's other there's other organizations like that that yeah. are kind of the same type Idea. deal. It's a health share thing, but you know insurance is essentially the same thing. It's the right. sharing of costs for a contribution of a of a premium. Right. Right. I mean, it basically works the same way. You pay so much money to the company. You might not use it. You might use it if you use it. Then it, you damn glad you had it. If yeah. you don't use it, it's just kind of costed them. The application's kind of all thing. fucked up though. Now it's like you, you know, you, you, insurance isn't for going to see a primary care doc, right. doctor to read your lab results. No, That's the insurance is if you're in a wreck. Right. But all the insurance policies from the companies you buy have prescription benefits, right. and they they're going to pay for a annual checkup and all this other bullshit that that yeah. I don't want to pay for. If I have to have an annual checkup, I can write a check for that. Yep. Right? But if I get in a car wreck and have a $3 million hospital stay, that's what I need the insurance for, and I don't need it for anything else. Right. Right? I don't need it for prescriptions because I don't take any prescriptions. You might not even yep. need it for, a, for like, a, a surgery. You know, you uh, you know, you know, you break a leg. I can make a deal with the surgeon. That's exactly you know, right. We do that all the time. That's exactly right. You yeah. know, Steph yeah. had her feet fixed. Just wrote him a check. Right. A bunch up in Oklahoma City. Where yeah. They, you know, they just a turnkey, out-the-door deal, and it's about a third of the money. Yeah. 
you know i mean that's coming up that is that industry is growing in response to the fucked up situation created by the our friends at the obama administration right and and yeah, there's got to be enough people I, out there that are willing to, to live reasonably like that. You yeah. know, or you know, you can afford you can afford to get a leg fixed or something. You right. pay for it. Um, and if you can't, you pay for a you pay a little bit more every month just to have the safety net or whatever. But uh, the whole the whole industry is completely fucked. Yeah. I mean, all you got to do is ask ask what's the cash price, right? Right. What's the cash price on this? And it, it's it's insane. I mean, it's yeah. 10 percent sometimes. Yeah, of what, yeah it's of an amazing, it's an amazing differential. That because the doctor doesn't want to deal with the insurance, he don't want to deal with Medicare, right. he don't want to deal with all that shit, and he'll make you a deal. Sure. Now there was a time when they wouldn't do that. About twenty years ago, hmm. if you wanted to pay cash, uh, this is before the system started changing. You yeah. want to pay cash? Sometimes it was more money. Oh, really? Because the insurance companies had negotiated the price down. Right. Yeah. Yep. But that's all different now. Yeah. And uh, health insurance is something you got to have. You know, one way or another, you got to have it because you don't know whether you're going to get fucked up in a car wreck. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you ha- but you'll feel better about it if you if you. If they would just sell you a catastrophic right. policy that paid for the emergency room and ICU and all this other shit, yep. you know. But the way it is right now, you know, there's not really a good alternative to uh, some kind of health sharing. To you know, if you I mean, want you to go get... to the, the the health share, the Christian health share people like MediShare those kind of things they're trying their best right you know i don't know how well they're working but they're trying their best there certainly has been a response to the destruction of the medical services industry by the obama administration and i don't you know the thing will have to there's a demand for it and there will be a supply so you know yeah you there's, uh, there's one base here in texas down in austin it's called sidera Sidera, and they're non. Uh, well, I mean, they they fall under the the med, the religious somehow, right. you know, that exemption. They Hell fall under sure. that exemption, but they're right. not overtly, uh, you know, a Christian organization. Well, Sidera might be something to check out. Yep. Um, the problem is that people aren't willing to, uh, you know, because you can get a catastrophic insurance. At least last I looked, which was years ago, but you can get a catastrophic policy. It has a five thousand dollar deductible on whatever. Now, but Obama but people, eliminated that. Oh, really? They don't exist nope. anymore. That did that stop? You can't being buy it even option. if you want it. I had at the time a, a Blue Cross Blue Shield policy like that. It was something on the order of a six thousand dollar, five thousand dollar deductible. With with, you know, monthly premiums of less two hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Which is what you want, and then that all went away. Sure. And the deductible was still five thousand dollars, and the monthly premiums Premium went up about five hundred dollars. Yeah. And they let you see one doctor here in town. Yeah, yeah. And I just didn't see any point in that. So. Yep. That's why I went to Liberty. Health share, but I've you know I've heard bad things about them recently. You know, but anybody from Liberty doesn't like that. Call me, we'll have you on. Yep, we'll let you explain your current position. 
you know, I don't want to say shit that's not true about right, them. Right, right, yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's an interesting time. I remember when my mother uh, used to take me to the doctor when I was little. Remember real clearly her uh, taking me in because I had chicken pox or some shit, you know. And the the old guy was a pediatrician, gruff old man. Harley C. Sullivan was his name. <laughs> Harley C. Sullivan. He was a – I remember him being kind of funny. <laughs> he was, yeah, yeah, he's got – looks like he's got red measles. He'll be okay in about a week. He's going to feel like hell for about three days, though. So just try to keep him comfortable. He'll be fine. <laughs> And then we went out, and she went to the front desk, and she handed the lady at the front desk a $10 bill. Right. And we left. Now, $10 was a bunch of money back then. For yep. some, but it was, you know, we had it. Yep. You know? And it was – so, and that's the way it used to be. It was just a fee for service. Right. Just like it ought to be now. Yep. But the minute the government got into that with the Medicare thing in 1966 – the thing has been falling off a cliff down here right. ever since. When you changed it from just another profession that charged you for their services, just like the plumber. Can you imagine we had national plumbing insurance? Man. Can you imagine the chaos that the housing industry would be in right yeah. now? It'd cost 1200 bucks to come unclog your toilet. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. If they could get to you, yeah, yeah, you know. The problem is, is, is more doctors. I mean, I, I don't know, but as more uh, doctors and stuff just uh, opt out of that system, um, will they require it? You know, don't know. It's, yeah, we'll see what they do. We will, in fact. All right now, Moon Mune asks Rip fifty eight five nine two forty five. I fell in the mountains on my right elbow on a sharp rock in April. It swole up like an orange, and I had and I behead problems extending my forearm with force and locking it out. I started doing bench and presses about six weeks after. The pain has lessened over time, but my strength has not returned. I think I suffered some nerve damage, and the inner head of my triceps doesn't seem to be participating. Do you have any idea how I can rehab this? Well, if you have nerve damage, you can't rehab it. If you severed a nerve in your elbow when you fell on the sharp rock, it's gone. All right, it might regenerate by the time you're 70 years old. It might not. You just have to wait and see. But what I would do, you didn't mention whether you had a diagnostic procedure done on this. I would go get an MRI on that thing and see what the hell is going on you may have a displaced fracture in that elbow with a chunk of bone floating around that is impinging on the nerve that could be fixed you may well have something like that in there and i would uh i think i would have somebody take a picture of that and see if they can figure out what the hell is going on i don't think an x-ray is going to tell you what you need to know i think i would Find somebody to do an MRI on that. And uh, 
and let's just see what the hell the problem is. It might not. It might be fucked up, but it might not be. So the, we'll just, the X-ray wouldn't show the displacement necessarily because of the it, angle of the. It might, but if, it, it might know, be in line. If, if the thing's hiding behind right. another bone yeah, yeah, or something like that, it. it's just not yeah. three-dimensional enough. Right. To, right. Yep. Although they can take the x-ray from three or four different angles. And, you know, if you find somebody who knows how to x-ray an elbow, you might be able to find something like yep. that. Those are a little cheaper than an MRI. But at this point, you can get an MRI for four or $500. Right. Yeah. You know, why not do it? They want to keep the machine busy, and they're not expensive. Yep. And by the time you have somebody take five x-rays and a radiologist read five x-rays, you could probably pay for somebody the same radiologist reading the mri right for about the same money and that's what i obviously would do were i in a situation where i was yep wondering about my future elbow health like that here's a question from james collinge collinge i hate not being able to accurately pronounce a name <laughs> he's my client I don't, know, I don't know how to say his last name either yeah, college, college. Let's say it's college. Let's say that. Yeah. And our recommendation, James, is that you're going to start pronouncing it that way. Yeah. Let's just tell him. Uh, let's tell him how to pronounce college. it. College. Look, he chose the spelling. Yeah. We We're just telling you how it's pronounced from here on out, henceforth. College. James College. Rip. Avid fan here. Please don't mistake my question for a lack of agreement with the starting strength method. Well, we all we demand <laughs> agreement. <laughs> We demand agreement in all things. Just read our just read our thread on cast iron skillets, and you'll see how much we agree yeah, on everything. Yeah, we agree on everything. We demand agreement from you too, right? You should. I can't, yeah, I'm gonna I do can't a cast wait to iron hear. skillet video. Can't and, wait to hear, man. You know, I'm going to show you exactly. In fact, what I'm going to do is make salmon patties in it. Then I'm going to clean it like I clean it without washing the damn thing, and then I'm going to fry some eggs in it. And we're going to see how the eggs taste, see if they taste like salmon. You stupid person. God almighty. The only thing you can't right. do is uh, mis mischaracterize my argument. No, I'm not mischaracterizing. I will see. You're thinking you have to throw the the cast iron pan away if you cook fish in it. That's I'm not what saying. I said. See, you're mischaracterizing saying, my argument. All I'm saying See what is, you did, James? You fuck. Don't cook fish in cast iron anyway. That's not what you do. <laughs> That's what other shit is for. I only own cast iron. I'm a, I'm a you purist. You don't have any. You, you need to get a set of those Cuisinart pots and pans I have like a, we've got. I, I have a, uh, those things are, I have a stainless steel, but I never use it. I use the stainless steel all the time. When I want to boil some sausages, I'm not going to boil in a cast iron skillet. Because it's just for frying on a surface. Yeah, I, shit I use that's it for been fried on a surface gets fried in that big 15-inch cast iron skillet, and everything else gets cooked in either that cast aluminum skillet I've got or one of the Cuisinart pans. And uh, man, those stainless steel Cuisinart—they're heavy. Yeah, they're nice. They're expensive as fuck, but they're yep. man—they're nice. Yep. They are nice things to have in the kitchen. So anyway. You're wrong. I'm right. All right. Now, was there ever a time before the worldwide government overreaction to the common cold that you felt despondent or more accurately surprised over people's negative reaction, lack of understanding, or illogical reasons that they thought starting strength was incorrect? 
I understand you know that you are narrow casting. Was that always as evident to you as it is now? Well, of course it wasn't. You know, when you when you come up with a deal that's transparently obvious, you know, you you just assume that everybody is as smart as you are and they agree with you. You know, I mean, for example, I didn't realize that somebody was going to say, why, there are as many ways to squat as there are grains of sand on the beach. Do you remember who said that? Some CrossFitter, I'm sure. <laughs> that sounds like a, a long time ago. thing to say. You know. <laughs> well, it gets them out of having a coach. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. Right? If there's a right way to do it, then there's got to be a way to coach it to that standard, and that makes me have to know something. And I'd rather not learn. So I'm just going to say something ignorant, like there's as many ways to rob a bank as there are grains of sand <laughs> on the beach. You know, when, you know, that's patently false, and only an idiot would say something like that. So I thought, well, you know, everybody sees the logic of this. Look, here's how you squat. Why well, squat that way? Because it uses the most muscle mass over the longest effective range of motion and allows you to get stronger because you can lift more weight. After all, what is strength? Duh, right? And how do you program it? Well, you go up five pounds of workout until that quits working, and then you will talk again, right? That's all there is to it. But no, no one agrees with that. Well, what are your ideas then? You know, you don't agree with that? What are your ideas? Usually there's well, we've there. got to use eight sets of seven yeah. with there's 45 there. seconds between. You know, it's bullshit. It's, bullshit yeah. it's all bullshit. It doesn't work. Our way works. Their way doesn't work. Yeah. We know this. We've heard. We've heard people do it the other way for a year. Come back to us and say, you know, I haven't made a PR in a year. Yeah, that's, well, okay, that's fine. If PRs aren't important to you, then do something else. But if PRs are important to you, if progress is important to you, if you want to actually be stronger, you want to grow bigger muscles, you want to get big and strong, our way works best. It works better than anybody else's way. That's all there is to it. We've proven that over the past 15 years. Yep. And that's just all there is to it. Yeah. And what- and, and, but, but people still want to argue because they're defending their own business position right it's proprietary they've got this other thing to differentiate themselves from us not even that and, it's just and by god they're going to stick with it it's not even that you know? it's just it's just a ego driven thing of of not wanting to be wrong about something not mm-hmm. uh, you know you you've bought into some idea that you believe in and then just not being willing to uh to even think about it not being willing to think about the fact that your squat it. hadn't gone up 10 pounds in the past year and a half yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, what have you been doing? Why are you squatting? If you don't want it to go up, why are you squatting? What the hell are you doing in the gym? Why do you make the time to go beat the piss out of yourself and get nothing out of it, of any demonstrably quantitative progress kind of thing? Why would you do that? But people do it all the time. Yeah. And people are happy to sell them a template that lets them not make progress over the course of a long period of time of beating their head against the wall. Yeah. Well, go ahead, you know. I mean, if it's acceptable to you to not make any progress, then go don't make any progress. 
fine with me. I don't care. Right? We've sold a million books to a whole bunch of people who have made a whole bunch of progress over every demographic that exists on earth. Kids, old people, elderly people, men, women, injured trannies, people. you know, injured people, healthy people, yeah. you know, are all making progress because this is the most direct, logical approach to the problem that there is. And I don't know why you would – this is like arguing whether you need a bolt to hold a part together or glue. Yeah. Or chewing gum. Yep. You know? The thing that- well, of course you want a bolt to hold it together. What the hell are you thinking about? You the know, thing that rip, how would you argue with this? Well, the thing you that, know? that rip the thing that people forget, especially our, especially our fans. You know, it's a uh, um, the n- nobody anywhere it doing anything in any industry thinks about things. What they don't think about what they're doing. They just they find a way to do it and it works and they're and they just stick <coughs> with it. Hey, it's the way and we've it's, always and done that, it, and that's fine. With works the, just fine for us. I think that's yeah. you know it, members and and clients and people who are doing things on their own. Uh, or seeking information out, you know that's to be expected. But the people who should know, the people who should care, the coaches and the uh, the authority figures, mm-hmm. um, they don't think about what they're doing. Man, I've I've been uh, involved in so many things, uh, my in my life, and um, and still to this day involved in so many different things that aren't strength training, and it's the same story everywhere. It's the same exact fucking story everywhere. And I've been right. lucky that I've been, uh, you know, I have a. a probably unhealthy disdain for authority and tradition but also i've been lucky to have people who actually think that i've just found you know right um and right. Uh, and 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 that's extremely rare that's extremely rare in every industry and in everything and we talk about this all the time kind of peripherally but uh the the people that you listen to and the people that you uh you trust with information uh, aren't generally thinking about what they're doing. Like they're not analyzing what they're doing. They're not. They're not. And and on top of that, they're not questioning what they're doing, and they're not trying to get better. Right. So this is where we. This is why we're where, where we are with this stuff. Well, there's everybody suffers from a certain amount of inertia. Absolutely. You know, and it it takes a uh, takes a highly motivated individual to question that. Which seems to be working anyway. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah, and what you say to yourself is this does seem to be working, but could it be working is better, a better way with to a do little it? tweak? Sure. Sure. And that mentality just know, doesn't exist. I think that we have done a pretty good job over the years of trying to explain why we do the things we do, listening to arguments to the contrary, realizing that there is a better way to think about this, realizing that there is a, a more accurate, logical explanation than the one we've been using, and then changing it. And if you look at the first edition, the second edition, and the third edition, and the later versions of the third edition of the book, you will see the evolution of the method itself and the way we explain the method. You will see that as you go through all of those iterations of the things that we've published. And uh, I don't know that uh, that is a common thing in it's the not, exercise literature. It's not a common thing in anything. Yeah. 
anything. But I, you know, we have, you know, when we're wrong, we'll tell you, hey, we were wrong about that analysis. Yeah. The shoulder blade thing from ten years ago. Yep. You know, it, that was wrong. Yeah. We changed you, it. If you're involved with something that uh, you you go and do, like like for example, the the seminar. If you went to a seminar even three years ago, it's it's uh, it's there's things that you you uh, you're you're missing. Right. You know, I mean, we get coaches who audit and they they'll come every couple of years and they come in and they'll be like, man, that, that wasn't I don't remember that from last time. That wasn't in last time. That's right. That's different from last time. Uh, but if you're involved with something and you're going and it's the exact same material every single time, something's wrong. Like they're, they're not evolving. They're not they're no. not thinking about what they're doing. Right. You know, because it should improve information added to a system changes the system. Right. And if you're not adding information. Yep. Yeah. How useful can you be? Right. You know, we want to do this the best we can. We want to be the best at getting you strong that we can possibly be. And we're not there. We're not the best we can possibly be. And we don't think we are. We never said that. All we said is that we're better than everybody else. Which isn't the same thing, now is it? Yeah. Right. This is the starting strength is the best program for getting strong in existence. But is it the best it will ever be? No. Right. We improve it all the time because we listen to you. We listen to each other. We find holes in the arguments we previously thought had no holes. And we fill up the holes. We have constantly evolved this program. The earlier versions of this program, for just as one example, used sit-ups and back extensions. We don't use those things now because they're they're not useful for anybody if they're doing the rest of the program, and they're detrimental to people who have back injuries, which is a huge Almost percentage of yeah. the people that are doing this. Right. The minute you tweak your back, we advise you to the last thing you ever do ever again is a back extension or a sit-up. Don't wiggle around an injured back. Your abs are strong enough. How do you get stronger abs doing a sit-up than you do doing a 600-pound squat? I, I don't know either. Yeah. You know. So why, is, why are sit-ups necessary to do a 600-pound squat? Well, they're not. So don't do them. Don't wiggle your back around. You're already having to recover from enough shit as it is. You know, if you just like having sore abs, well, you're in a different line of work than we are. Because we don't care about soreness. We care about strong. Right? And if, you, if you're still of the opinion that soreness indicates progress, then you have not learned anything. You know, go out and do a hundred air squats and tell me if they made you stronger because they will make you sore. Right. You know, CrossFit's done a lot of good things for this industry. A lot of good things it made people think about all kinds of things. It introduced the basic barbell exercises to lots and lots of people. It's uh Introduce the concept of you guys paying us to teach you things in weekend seminars. Yep. That was their concept. Yep. 
But the idea that soreness is an indicator of exercise progress is wrong. It's wrong. It has nothing to do with soreness. Soreness is a side effect sometimes of changing up a program a little bit. But it's not the point. Soreness is never the point. Yeah. And that's got to be in a know, lot of ways. We was... we have we have to evolve past that ourselves. Sure. You know? Everybody has to learn that soreness is not an indicator of progress. More weight on the bar is the only indicator of progress. It's the only indicator. If strength is your goal, that's the only indicator. It is terribly simple to quantify whether you're getting stronger or not. Terribly, terribly simple. And it has nothing to do with how sore you ever are. Yep. Okay? This is why RDLs, you know, it might be useful for some advanced trainees under some specific circumstances, but typically they're of no use whatsoever, especially to a novice or intermediate trainee. Right. Yeah, and some of that, some yeah. of that's cultural stuff too. But you know, I, I'd rather have CrossFit any day than than what's uh, what's going on now with this uh, with this functional this training functional shit. training bullshit. Man, I've got uh, I got people arguing with me about you know you got a, a you got an uh, NBA player b- balancing on a little thing, throwing a basketball to a group of people, right? And um, you know, it, 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 people believe this shit works, right? When does that happen on the court? The problem is that you can't prove that it doesn't. Right. It's a religion, right? You can't prove that it doesn't work. Um, no, it's like global warming. It is an article of faith, you know, because there's no evidence so, for it. Yeah, so if you say you're working on timing and reaction time and hand speed and all this bullshit, like how are you, you going to demonstrate? How it you sounds do? plausible, it doesn't it? It sounds absolutely plausible. Absolutely plausible that hand speed is trainable. The right. problem is it's not. Yep. Show me how. How'd you dem- how do you demonstrate it? Yeah. You know, because how, how are you going to show me that that carried over into the next game? Right can't do it all right i mean we we know the extent to which we're standing vertical jumps trainable yeah it's not very trainable yeah and the reason i say that is because with, with at least with CrossFit, all of this other neurological shit is the same way but you guys are wasting your time thinking that you're training neurological aspects right. of, of your performance when the primary thing you need to be training is your force production right the problem with it is it's easier. So, so that, oh, and yeah. and that's my point. Because yes. CrossFit is self-selecting and that it's real fucking hard. Even you know, as silly as it is, it's real fucking hard. Right. Um, but all this shit that's going on right now is is easy. It's sure. not hard. It's easier to coach one-legged Bosu ball yep. lunges right. than it is to get your trainee to a four hundred five set of five squats. It's right. easier on the coach. It's it's mind-numbingly easy sure to coach is, man. functional training. Yeah, the CrossFitters at least value a heavy squat, even though they don't know how to do it. <laughs> they don't, they don't know how to it. get people stronger, but they, but val- they, do they value, that, they value you know, the PR. They you know? value a PR squat, yep. yes. Yep. And, uh, you know, this functional training nonsense that has, that has overwhelmed the strength and conditioning as a profession is, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't work, but it's easier for the coaches, right? And that's why they keep doing it. That's why they will not let go of this, because it means they'd actually have to go to work and learn some stuff. 
Well, and convince a bunch of guys yeah. that don't want to train that they have to train. That they have to train. Right? You know, elite athletes are some of the laziest motherfuckers yeah. on the surface of the earth. You know, everything's always come easy to them. And the minute it gets hard, they say, well, you know. You've got a star athlete and you you tell them, hey, you got to go, you got to, you got to hit a PR on your squat. It's like, I'm not here to, I'm not here to lift. Am I winning games or not? Fuck Am you. I winning games or not? Yeah, yeah I'm winning you. games. Why do I need a PR squat? Right. Well, you know, it's a good point. It's a good point. So why should we it's care what they, point. what should we care what that guy does? Yeah, Shouldn't fucking him, matter. Do whatever, do whatever he wants to. That's why we don't typically base our training on our experience with star athletes because that is a if you're strong enough to win like you are you're not who we want to coach anyway right are you problem is that that's what everybody emulates yes what that everybody thinks that because the guy's a star athlete that we ought to do what he's doing and we'll get to be a star athlete too because they don't understand the relationship between genetics and preparation. Yep. They don't understand that. It's over everybody's head. So whatever Tom Brady wants to do must be the thing that everybody has to do. <laughs> you My too. God. Is you there too a, can be Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> do you not? Do you people not really understand what's wrong with that argument? Do I have to explain to you? You know what a star quarterback does is not what a 55-year-old real estate salesman needs to do, too? Yeah. What? <laughs> God damn it. It's just absolutely amazing. Or your average high school kid, high yeah. school quarterback, for that reason. Right. For that matter, you know? Right. So, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's just, it is frustrating. It's been frustrating for a long time, but I'll tell you. It's just the way it is, uh, It is the way it is, but... You know, we've got uh, – we're making some progress here. We're making some progress. We've got gyms open all over the country, more opening every month. People seeing the value of the simple, straightforward, logical approach we have to physical preparation. Uh, We hear from them all the time, and we're doing good things. So, you know. Gyms are full of people who don't – Good for us, right? Right. Yep. That's right. Well, okay. Anything else you want to talk about? I'm kind of hungry. What do you think I ought to go eat? Scott's Burger, probably. Well, you know, that had occurred to me. (laughs) It occurred to me to drive out there. What a shame that we're out here. Get me one uh, of those. And uh, Glass Kitchen is just non-existent anymore, man. Yeah. Sort of like a a, two-minute drive. I was a victim of the covid situation yep you know yep. victim of the the current administration paying people to not work yep can't hire anybody to run the damn thing what are you going to do we're going to close it down that's what you're going to do so uh well unless you can think of someplace better to go than scott's drive-in i'm gonna go to scott's drive-in and i'm gonna see you people Next time, right here on Starting Strength Radio.